0: The Way BK Podcast is dedicated to pursuing and promoting a true understanding of Jesus Christ and the transformation He provides for all who submit to Him to live in a way that is pleasing to God as revealed in the Bible. Let's join our hosts as they discuss The Way. Anybody who's served in a church for long knows that such work of ministry is full of great joys and deep sorrows. Such was the case in Paul's work with the Corinthians. And in this lesson, we'll explore the interactions between Paul and the church he planted in Corinth as we survey the Corinthian letters. Now, the church at Corinth was planted by Paul, who, working alongside Priscilla and Aquila as a tent maker, spent about a year and a half in Corinth preaching the gospel after he received a vision from God that assured him that The Lord actually had many people in that city. And after Silas and Timothy joined him there, Paul began devoting himself completely to the preaching of the word. We can only assume that that is because Timothy and or Silas brought a gift from the Macedonian Christians to provide for Paul's needs so that he could focus fully on the gospel work before him. Now, of course, opposition to Paul's preaching ensued, and eventually the Jews became so hostile toward Paul that he pronounced, Your blood is on your own head. And he turned to the Gentiles. Still, God did have many people in that city, and many of the Corinthians believed, including Crispus, a Jewish synagogue leader, and many of the Gentiles. After a year and a half, Paul left, and sometime after he left, Apollos came to Corinth and watered the church, encouraging the believers and refuting the Jewish opponents by proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Now, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul arrived in Ephesus, where he spent two years dialoguing with the disciples at the school of Tyrannus. And during this time, Paul receives word from some people from Chloe's household who inform him about some problems that have arisen in the church at Corinth. Paul also receives a letter from the Corinthian church in which they detail a number of issues they were struggling with in the church. It's possible the letter was delivered by the same people who informed him of trouble brewing within the church at Corinth. So Paul writes 1 Corinthians to address both of these problems, um, the problems he's informed of by those from Chloe's household, along with the things that they asked him about in their letter to him. Now this is actually not the first letter he had written them, as he alludes to in 1 Corinthians. Nonetheless, since we don't have that first letter, we call this one 1 Corinthians. If you're reading 1 Corinthians for the first time, you probably wonder whether this could be considered a faithful church at all. Pride and arrogance was rampant in this church. There was immorality there that wasn't even tolerated in the streets of Corinth. The saints there were divided. They were struggling with idolatry. They were captive to many of the same sins that plagued the culture around them. Saints then and now have always struggled to avoid captivity to the corruption in the culture that surrounds them. And yet somehow, and somewhat shockingly, Paul addresses his letter to the saints of God at Corinth. To the church of God in Corinth, to those called to be his saints. God still had many people there. And Paul's letter to the Corinthians reminds us that we should be cautious before declaring a church severed from God. If the saints at Corinth could be considered the church of God in the eyes of an apostle, and Paul did not cut them off for their moral and spiritual failures, which were many, perhaps we too should be slow to cut off saints who, while young in the faith, struggled to grasp the heights of his plans or to live accordingly. One evidence of the corruption in the Corinthian church was the denominational spirit that had arisen within the group. As saints separated into groups uh, and rallied behind their favorite preachers, some claimed to be of Paul, others said they were of Apollos or Cephas, which is just another name for Peter. And Paul urged them to have no divisions among themselves, but to be of one mind in judgment. He wrote, has Christ been divided? Was, Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I'm thankful I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one would say that you were baptized in my name. Now, that denominational spirit present both in Corinth at that time and prevalent across the world today has always been antithetical to the gospel unity that Jesus Christ went to the cross to produce and to provide. Paul continued, Who then is Apollos? Who now is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, also to each as the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So neither he that plants nor he that waters is anything, but God who gives the increase. The one planting now and the one watering are one, and each now will receive their own reward according to their labor. For we are fellow workers of God. Now, one of the keys to fighting against division is to keep the church united by staying busy doing the work of the Lord together. And one way the church does that is through giving. In Paul's letter, he instructed the saints in Corinth to put aside as they prospered every first day of the week so that when he arrived, there would not be any need for a collection to take place since the church would already have their funds collected. As a side note, this is one of the earliest, uh, this, this is one of a couple of, of scriptures that hint at the fact that the earliest Christians were in the habit of gathering on the first day of the week. John would later call this day the Lord's Day in Revelation 1, verse 10. And that term stuck with the saints throughout the first few centuries. On that day, the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, Christians would come together, not only to give, but also to break bread, as Paul did with the saints in Troas in Acts 20, verse 7, an apparent reference to the Lord's Supper. Not surprisingly, uh, that's another thing the Cor- Corinthians were doing wrong in the church at Corinth. But returning back to the collection, though, this collection, we learn from Paul's letter to the Romans, was meant to be, sent, to, to be sent to take care of the poor saints in Jerusalem. Christians from the earliest church in Jerusalem onward were in the habit of devoting themselves to fellowship, which included giving and those who were in need, at least, receiving. Paul would write in the second letter to the Corinthians that the goal is not to impoverish those who have more in the church. The goal was equality, that is, to ensure that every member has what they need, just as it was written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Interestingly, there was no set amount or percentage that Christians were called to give. The instructions were simply to give as they prospered, to be generous as the Lord had been generous to them. To give cheerfully rather than grudgingly, since their generosity would prove the genuineness of their love, both for the Lord and for his people. And Paul finished his letter to the Corinthians by telling them of his desire to come to them soon after he passed through Macedonia. And after a riot broke out in Ephesus, Paul encouraged the disciples there and told them goodbye and set out for Macedonia. According to the book of Acts, Paul then travels through Macedonia, encouraging the saints there And after some time there, he arrived in Greece, where he stayed for three months. While there, Paul writes a letter to the saints in Rome, the letter we know as Romans. But a plot against Paul's life led to his choice to leave and to go back through Macedonia, passing through Troas. Now, making sense of the route that Paul took on this journey is no easy task. From 2 Corinthians, we learn that at some point, Paul had come to Troas, planning to preach since the Lord had opened a door there but he was also hoping to meet Titus there after having sent him to Corinth. But Titus was not there, so he left. At this time, Paul was deeply distressed and troubled in his mind, not only because he didn't know how the Corinthians had responded to a prior painful letter that he had written them. He didn't know whether repentance had actually taken place, but also because he was facing conflicts all around. He spoke of conflicts without while being full of fears within. Thankfully, God comforted Paul, though, by the coming of Titus while in Macedonia. And Titus brought good news about the sorrow of the Corinthians and their concern for Paul. Paul, when writing 2 Corinthians, did not apologize that his letter had made them sorrowful, because their sorrow led them to repentance. And that sorrow was, as God intended, to produce repentance in them. Paul had actually planned to visit the Corinthian church twice in between a trip to Macedonia, but somewhere along the way, Paul's plans changed, and his his change of plans actually made some in the Corinthian church suspicious that Paul was vacillating and unable to make up his mind and sending them mixed signals. In fact, Paul said that the reason he did not return to Corinth was because he was trying to spare them. Apparently, his last visit was quite a painful one. So somewhere along the way, Paul wrote the letter we call 2 Corinthians to explain why his plans had changed, to pour out his heart to the Corinthians in in hope of restoring the trust and the love between them. Some were saying of Paul that his letters were weighty and forceful, but in person, he's unimpressive and speaking amounted to nothing. In the letter, Paul warned those people that he would be the same in person as he was in his letters. And he warned the church to beware of these false apostles who were deceitful workers masquerading as apostles of Christ. Paul, in that letter, spoke of the signs of a true apostle. And he encouraged the Corinthians to finish the work that they had promised and the work that they had begun by excelling in giving, just as they had assured Paul beforehand that they would. Titus was sent by Paul back to Corinth with this letter, to collect the offering that they had prepared so that he and others could carry it back to the poor saints in Jerusalem. And eventually, Paul and Luke left Macedonia and headed by boat to Troas, where they reunited with ministers from all the churches who had contributed to the needy saints in Jerusalem. And all these representatives of the churches would accompany Paul as they took that long journey back to Jerusalem to offer this gift to the saints in need there. What would happen on the journey and upon their arrival in Jerusalem? Well, that's the subject of our next study uh, that we'll look at next week. Until then, I hope we can all ponder together the profound love, humility, patience, and sacrifice of the Apostle Paul and to pursue it in our own ministry as we seek to serve the Lord and to serve his people. The aim of The Way BK is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ across Brooklyn and beyond. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.thewaybk.com.